0: please do take your seats. Well we started off didn't we this morning hearing a little bit about a few rules in kids church but in our first reading that we've just heard we heard one of the most well-known parts of the Bible namely the Ten Commandments. These were the laws handed down to Moses by God on tablets of stone and later on as these laws were applied to living in the new free community of the people called Israel, they were expanded to include another 613 laws listed in the Old Testament, which laid out the basis for godly living in that community. And sometimes we can read the scriptures and think, how on earth did they come to make up so many rules and regulations? until we realise that if we were to sit down and read the statute books of the United Kingdom, we would have to read through tens of thousands of laws in this country. And we have passed some very extraordinary ones, I can tell you. Did you know that in London, it is still illegal to flag down a taxi if you have the plague? Secondly, all Englishmen over 14 years of age are meant to carry out two hours of longbow practice every week. Get this supervised by the local clergy. (laughs) Next Sunday, polish up your longbows, we'll be out on the grass. Throughout the whole of England, it is illegal to eat mince pies on the 25th of December. Can you believe that? It's amazing. It's also illegal to be drunk on licensed premises, in other words, in a pub. It's illegal to be drunk in a pub. And finally, it's illegal to die in the Houses of Parliament. It's not allowed. You could get taken to court for doing it. So when it comes to commenting on the laws of the Old Testament, we need to be humble about some of the things our own society has come up with. One of the objections that people sometimes have about embracing the Christian faith is that they imagine that there are a lot of rules and regulations which they would have to follow, starting with the Ten Commandments, and then many, many more. Surely, that would restrict my freedom as an individual. Why would I want to accept all of those rules? And the answer is that far from restricting our lives, if we all followed the Ten Commandments given to us by God, then actually, we would discover that we had the greatest freedom we could ever imagine. Let me briefly explain a potted history of humanity and where it had got up to this point. You see, God had created everything in the world. And as the first book of the Bible, Genesis tells us, he saw all that he had made and it was very good. And that included human beings. But sooner or later, the first human beings disobeyed God, and within a generation, that rule-breaking had extended to the first murder when Cain murdered Abel. Many generations later, through a man called Abraham, who we heard about last week, God began to raise up a tribe of people who he would call the Israelites, who, through their faithfulness and obedience to God, would become a witness of his love to humanity. But several generations later, the Israelites, now numbering more than a million, found themselves in Egypt, in slavery, to the great Egyptian empire, which existed at the time. And they cried out to God in their distress. God heard their cries of anguish, and he sent them a man called Moses, who led them under God's direction through a series of miraculous events out of the land of Egypt to freedom. In fact, the musical we're putting on this coming Sunday is exactly about that story, From Pharaoh to Freedom. In other words, from living under the dictatorship of Pharaoh, the Egyptian Pharaoh, to the great exodus and escape to freedom. So the Israelites were now free, but they had a problem. They'd forgotten what freedom was like. Up till this point, they'd been in slavery with no power to make their own rules, and for generations they'd lived under the cruel oppression of the Egyptian masters, and they now needed to learn how to live in a free society. And God's answer was the Ten Commandments. Far from being a restrictive list of do's and don'ts, living in obedience to the Ten Commandments was meant to be a picture of what it looks like to live in freedom. God-given rules are almost always about giving freedom rather than taking it away. A couple of examples. Reading were playing yesterday at the Medesky Stadium, weren't they? Imagine what the match would have been like if there had been no rules and no referee. Every single decision would have been, or there wouldn't have been any decisions, but every throw-in or goal kick would have been questioned. Um, They would have fouled each other without consequence um, and it would have dissolved into a complete mess. And we all know how good it is when a referee has just that right touch on a game that he allows, or he or she allows the game to flow, but at the same time pulls people up for serious infringements. Good rules, applied properly, provide freedom and not restriction. And as we heard from the children today, When they go to kids' church, they're given those three three rules which allow them to have fun. You might think that they sounded a bit restrictive. Obey the leaders, stay in your seats. The whistle means silence. But actually, the children enjoy the freedom of singing and dancing and playing games and doing all kinds of things precisely because when the leaders need them to, they respond to the instructions and order is resumed. If there were no rules it would become an unmanageable free-for-all. And while we're talking about Kids Church, I'd like to encourage um, those of you who haven't yet, um, on one of these next coming Sundays, to, to maybe go out when the children go out and have a look and see what they get up to. Um, because it's a, it's a wonderful um, activity that they do. And uh, I, do, I do encourage you, if you haven't seen it yet, um, one of these Sundays coming up, not all of you on the same Sunday... But one of these Sundays coming up, go out where the children go out and have a look, see what goes on there, and see if you'd like to get involved. So back to the Ten Commandments. We can see how they could have the potential to bring freedom if people obeyed them. For example, if nobody stole other people's possessions, we could live without locked doors, without alarm systems, without CCTV everywhere, without paying massive insurance against theft, If nobody committed adultery, couples and families could live in a great deal more freedom and trust that relationships wouldn't break up with all the hurt and distress that causes. If nobody murdered, we could give our children much more freedom to roam around unaccompanied without the fear of abduction. If no one coveted what their neighbours have, people would live in the freedom of not running into massive debt just to keep up with the Joneses. Did you know that the average debt... Excluding mortgages, in the UK last year was £4,300 per human being in the UK. That's just credit cards and overdraft. Most of the UK are in slavery to interest payments on loans that many of them did not need to run up. The Ten Commandments were given by God to the people of Israel in order to give them the basis for living in a free society. So now comes the $64,000 question. Did it work? Did the Ten Commandments actually bring freedom to the Israelite community? Well, the answer is sort of yes on a good day, but in the long run, no. There were times in Israel's history when the people did obey God and things went really well for them, such as under the rule of King David. But what the history of Israel tells us, much more than anything else, about laws and rules, is that they cannot and do not make people good. Even King David, who was known as a godly man, fell from grace when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and ended up having her husband bumped off on the battlefield so that he could have her for himself. And as the generations went by and successive kings came and went, the nation of Israel went down a slippery slope until their community fell apart and they were overrun by enemies and once again found themselves back in slavery. So does that mean then that the Ten Commandments are a waste of time? Absolutely not. They still stand today as the greatest set of rules for godly living and community living that has ever Been written. And they've been the foundation on which certainly Western societies have based their entire um, legal systems for nearly 2,000 years. And today they continue to shine as a sort of gold standard for 2 billion Christians and for millions of Jews. But God knew in the end that the law might show us what wrongdoing is but it would never make us good people. In our gospel reading, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem, and he is angry. He's so angry, he overturns the tables of the money changers, drives out the livestock sellers, accuses them of turning the temple, the house of God, he calls it he calls it my father's house, into a marketplace. Why is he so angry? Well, the livestock sellers were taking ordinary people for a ride. They were selling animals to the people who came to worship at the temple at inflated prices in order that they could sacrifice them to God and be forgiven of their sins. But they were ripping them off and putting financial burdens on them that they couldn't afford, and thereby putting them back into slavery rather than allowing them the freedom which God wanted for them. A bit like encouraging them to run large credit card debts. And as he drove them out, they demanded to know... By what authority he could do that? If this really was his father's house, they wanted him to prove it by doing a miracle. Show us a sign, they said. Give us a miraculous sign. And Jesus' response was quite extraordinary, quite cryptic. He said, destroy this temple, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will rebuild it. Well, I expect the people fell about laughing because... The temple had taken thousands of people 46 years to build. The outer court was the size of eight football pitches. Some of the stones were more than a metre in cross-section and so long that they weighed 40 tonnes each. It didn't make any sense. But actually, Jesus was hinting about himself. You see, the Jews believed that God dwelt in the temple But Jesus was saying that God dwelt in him because it would be Jesus they destroyed when they nailed him to a cross and three days later he would indeed rise again on that first Easter day. And as the last verse in our gospel passage tells us, some of his disciples would later remember the words he spoke in the temple and realise that he'd been talking about his own death and his resurrection. And in our second reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Paul says that the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, to those who don't get it, to those who don't understand and don't believe. And yet it was so simple, and it still is. The cross was God's answer to humanity's failure to keep the Ten Commandments. The cross said, you do not have to pay the penalty for your wrongdoing, for your sin. I, God, love you so much that I will do for you what you could never have done for yourselves. It's like a high court judge who had an old college friend who got into trouble and wound up in court and his old buddy was on the bench presiding. And after his friend pleads guilty, the judge pronounces a hefty fine for the crime But then he comes down off the bench, takes off his wig, gets out his checkbook and writes out the amount and gives it to his friend and pays the penalty himself. This is what God has done for each one of us through his son Jesus on the cross. So God gave us the Ten Commandments to show us how to live, to warn us when we go off track And he knew that we would never be able to keep them perfectly, however hard we tried. And so he gave us something even greater. In his love, he gave us his Son, Jesus, who went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. And finally, God gave us something else as well. After giving us his Son, he sent his Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to come and live in our hearts. And it is the power of spirit in our hearts who helps us to keep his commandments. That is why the cross of Christ is not foolishness to those who believe. Because as Paul says later in the same letter, we have received the spirit who is from God that we might understand what God has freely given us. And so here, finally, is our position. As loved and forgiven people of God, saved by his Son, Jesus, and empowered by his Holy Spirit, we live our lives keeping his commandments in joyful thankfulness that he has set us free to be the people, deep down, we know we were always meant to be. Amen.